This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. You're with Lawson and Lyle, double L team. But before we get into our Bible study, we have another quiz to jump into. Yeah, did this get answered? Did this quiz get answered, Sheldon? Ah, the phone's been running hot and I thought it had been answered, but apparently it has not. So when we continue. That means we've we've had some stabs, we've had some attempts, but... No. All right, give us another clue then, Lawson. This okay. is a what am I quiz. What am I? Simon the Sorcerer offered this to Peter and John so that he would have the ability to give the spirit to those whom he laid his hands. Okay, so, so what did Simon the Sorcerer offer to Peter and John in exchange for the spirit? Mm. Which we know. Uh, okay, no, I can't. I yeah, can't. No, 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 you no, nearly no. did. You nearly no, did. Like, no, don't even. <laughs> don't even go there. That was a, cl- that was a close one. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number to call or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine if you know the answer and a prize is coming your way. Okay, moving to our Bible study this morning. Uh, our Bible study is all about the law and the prophets. But before we get there, I just need to give you a reminder, as we always try and do, to grab the Faith FM app. Mm. So much yes. better than listening um, to the TuneIn Radio app, Faith FM. Uh, just grab the app and you will then have Faith FM with you wherever you go at all times. Truly awesome and amazing. No ads. Um, just download it onto your phone, uh, run it through your car stereo. Problem solved. You're never going to drive out of the signal. You are just going to be able to have perfect signal all mm. the time. Listen to Faith FM right there. Okay, so that's the best way to listen to Faith FM. Just simply grab the app, download it to your device. Bam. Okay, yeah. let's go to Nehemiah chapter 9, verse, starting in verse 23. We got up to verse 23 yesterday. Lawson, let's have a, uh, a couple of verses from verse 23. Okay, the Bible says, You made the, their descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and brought them into the land you had promised their ancestors. They went in and took possession of the land. You subdued whole nations before them. Even the Canaanites who inhabited the land were powerless. Your people could deal with these nations and their kings as they pleased. Our ancestors captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took over horses full of good things and cisterns. Was it horses? Houses, houses, horses full of good things? Houses full. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> is this a when metaphor? is a horse full of good things? Maybe when horses eat apples. Yeah. Oh, dude, amen. Apples are amazing. Okay, houses good of, full of good things and cisterns already dug and vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate until they were full and grew fat and enjoyed themselves in all your blessings. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. What happened to these people? Well, of course, we're talking, we're retracing the history of Israel as they entered the promised land um, and the way that, you know, God miraculously helps them just conquer their enemies before them and take over an amazing, full, as it's saying here, fully fertile land with houses and 
Just walk in, take over. And olive groves and olive trees. So much, like, with a place with so much abundance that they ate, you know, as slaves who are living in the desert, they then enter and then eat and get fat and happy and die. Okay, so do you feel a little bit sorry for the Canaanites? I mean, let's face it, Lawson, you don't own a house. You don't own a house right now. Let's say that you want to own a house and a farm and a vineyard. Uh, why don't you just go out to the Hunter Valley and uh, rock up to a vineyard and say, yeah, I really like this place. I'm just going to kill the inhabitants. and I rock have up it, to yours. Have it. Well, yeah, no, mine, no vineyard at mine. There's like three, maybe five um, grapevines and they're horrible grapes anyway. Um, but... Um. Yeah, is that something that you know God is recommending right here? I mean, it's spoken of rather positively. This is seen as yeah. being the blessing of God that they were able to just got, walk in there. You know, you could you could head out to the hunter. You could take somebody's um, house, their vineyard, their gardens, their motor vehicles. Um, and Paul Lawson would be Paul Lawson no more. Paul Lawson would now be wealthy Lawson. Yeah, Paul Lawson would be wealthy Lawson who eats and gets fat and dies. Like it's like the best best thing ever. Well, you know, well there there's you know some people around the world currently who would agree with that sentiment. I think of the events happening in in South Africa at the moment. But um, I obviously this is very very contextual. Obviously this it is, is this is only this was only led and blessed and ordained in one particular circumstance, which was that's right the reclaiming of the land that was theirs. Okay, so it was reclaiming land that was theirs. Um. Yeah. All right. Abraham had lived there four hundred years previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you still have rights to a piece of land after four hundred years? I mean, you have true, and especially as the ancestors. Like I rock. Imagine you know, I go to like my granddad's house, old house. He he lived in Black Halls, just like rock up there. Like, hey, what's up? My granddad owned this place. Get out. <laughs> well, and that's only, and that's only what. Uh, less than maybe 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. But maybe this is this is the thing that where my mind goes is that, you know, my grandfather sold the house that he lived on in 60 years ago to someone else who was now the title holder. Whereas we saw with the the story of the nation of Israel that it, it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, but they just voluntarily left. You know, I, I, Jacob just voluntarily left. And the other question is, he didn't actually own any land. He only owned the cave of Machpelah. That was all that he owned. He was a nomad. Hmm. Well, that's not good. Um, so he's a nomad. He owns no land. The Canaanites own the land because he buys the cave of Machpelah off the Canaanites. Uh, so we know that the Canaanites own that they've owned it, and then the Israelites have been gone for four hundred years. Mm-hmm. What gives them the right to just walk in and say, "Oh, we'll have that"? Thank you. You're dead now. <laughs> Ouch, Ralph. I mean, seriously. Um, yeah. And it is it is presented here as being the blessing of God. Mm. I mean, this is obviously before we get to the uh, get fat and die bit, but um, <laughs> that is coming up. But it's 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 seen, it's, it's presented here as, you know, one of the evidences for the blessing of God that... Um, that they had received, you know, God's blessings, and, and hence they were able to, you know, just walk in, rock up and take all this stuff. Yeah. Is theft evidence of the blessing of God? What's going on here, Lawson? Oh, well, my mind is just trying to spin it some way that, no, this this isn't theft. This is the rightful uh, uh, reclamation of 
So. Yeah, but you can't reclaim something you've never owned. <laughs> you yeah. could go back there and reclaim the cave of MacPhiler and say, yeah, 400 years ago, this belonged to us or we want it back. And you might have some level of claim to that. We find that you know, in many countries, the United States, Australia, many countries that have been colonized where um, New Zealand um, indigenous inhabitants, you know, they, they yeah. claim they claim certain parts of the country back. But even still, they're never given everything. Mm. They've never been given my house. They've never been given, given like the city of Sydney or Newcastle mm. or Adelaide or whatever. They're never going to get back everything that they once owned. That's not going to happen. That's not realistic. Uh, we don't do that. And, you know, we recognize that history has passed. Times have changed. And so that's just sort of no longer realistic anymore. Mm. So, so, so Lawson, is, Lawson is sitting here with question marks going off inside of his head. Is this, is this, is this the point at which we toss out the Bible and say, well, you know, um, this was really unfair and God was pretty horrid what he was doing right here and this was a terrible situation and uh, if that is the character of God, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Well, obviously not. Like... I'm going to let you talk about this while I turn <laughs> back to the book of Joshua. Okay. Um, to just do some some reading real quick as we okay. uh, as we as we do some research. I yeah. like this. I like this. Lawson is not somebody who just uh, takes the the uh, the preacher's word for whatever. He's going to actually go back and do some Bible study and find out why was it that the inhabitants of the land were driven out? Why was it that um, they were destroyed? Why did genocide take place? Why did the Israelites just have the power to come in and take the stuff that didn't belong to them? Okay, so let's back up on that and let's talk about history and let's talk about archaeology and let's talk about uh, the societies that inhabited these areas at that time. In the time of Abraham, those societies weren't that bad. Mm. But in the 400 years since Abraham, those societies had gone downhill drastically and terribly. Now, for some of those societies, for instance, the Amalekites, it would take 800 years for them to reach the point of no return. But as a whole, as you know, complete nations, they had effectively committed the unpardonable sin. Mm. And in doing so, they had, um, yeah... You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so they committed the unpardonable sin. They had gone to the point, past the point of no return. All right, now let's th- let's think about um, the unpardonable sin for a moment. Let's think about how it actually, you know, impacts on human lives. Let's think about where joy and peace and harmony and happiness and all those kinds of things come from. Okay, so we know that the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from God, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because every good gift comes from God, that means that everything that brings happiness, everything that brings joy into our lives is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Um, peace and harmony is a gift from God. If you take God out of the equation, because God works on everybody's heart, and God is either filling your heart and working through you, or he is working on your heart to bring you to him. And that is why... Bad people experience good things. It is because God has not given up on them. Mm. God is still working on their hearts, and good things, they are still experiencing good things as a result of that. However, what happens when a person 
fully rejects the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, that God can no longer reach them in any way, shape, or form. And it is just, it's, it's over. God has been 100% cut out of their lives. The Bible describes a group of people like this. Let's read about them in Genesis chapter 6. Because we do need to understand, you know, why is it that the Canaanites were driven out and why did God ask mm. his people to do that? Okay, so we're going to go back to the time just before the flood and we're going to consider the world in the time just before the flood. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, The Lord observed the extent of the human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Okay, mine says, uh, every imagination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil all the time, Mm -hmm. or continually. So when God is 100% shut out from your life, the Bible says you never have any good thoughts. Mm. You never experience anything positive. You never experience any joy, any love, any peace whatsoever at all. You are in continual suffering and you have reached a point where you can never ever experience those things again because God cannot reach you mm. anymore. Okay, so here's what you've got is a generation of people, um, obviously in Genesis chapter 6, who are in tremendous suffering and pain every single day. Day. Mm. Their life is awful. It is just horrible all the time, and God can do nothing about it. And of course, this is this is just based on the decisions that they're making. You know, we're not looking at a situation of of you know, like a like a prisoner of war situation not where it's like, oh, they've been you know forced into some terrible situation. No, it's their own decisions that have completely just ruined their lives continually. It's their continual decisions that is continually. Ruining them. That's right. Now, I want you to think about this, Lawson. When someone is in abject pain and there is nothing that God can do about it whatsoever at all, what is the most merciful thing that God can do? To let them die. Take their life. Mm. Bring an end to their existence. Mm. It's It's an act of love and it's an act of mercy right there. And, you know, sometimes we look at the flood and, and, and these kinds of events and we're like, oh, man, that's pretty terrible, that's pretty heavy and all the rest. Sometimes we don't even like to think about it, but it's actually an act of love and it's actually an act of mercy that God mm. does this. Uh, do you have a pet? Uh, no, not personally, but my parents have pets and stuff. So you've grown up around animals? Yeah, sure. Has there ever <laughs> been an occasion when you have had to put one of those animals down? Yeah. Which is the nice way of saying take its life. My, um, my, my, we had a pony growing up, like a small horse that lived, we had four acres that we lived on. We had a small horse and I believe that it got some kind of bowel cancer and it was just like dying and getting more decrepit and worse and worse. And so we put, we had to put the horse down. Yep. It's pretty hard. It was heavy. Yeah. It was, well, because, you know, the last years of its life, it was just like, well, the last, I don't know, not years, but the last, say, six months where where you could see that the cancer was spreading and it was just getting worse and worse and the horse was just like, it was It's a very, very terrible. melancholy day when, 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 it, when it comes to that. Why did you put it down? Why did you take that animal's life? Did you take that animal's life because you hated it? No, of course not. Why did you take its life? Well, 
Because we wanted to end its suffering. Because you loved it. Yeah. Because you cared for it. Mm-hmm. You took its life because you loved that animal. Mm-hmm. So why couldn't God do the same thing? I mean, with in the case of an animal, we can look at an animal and say, well, you know, this animal is past any kind of hope whatsoever at all. We've mm-hmm. done all that we can. Why can't God, who can read the human heart and knows what goes on in human minds, look at human beings and say, you know what, they have gone past the point where there is I can I can possibly redeem them at all. There is just nothing here I can do, so I'm going to take their life. Mm. But I think it's a heavy thing, and it's a hard line to sort of walk because we, we were talking earlier about euthanasia, right? That's right, we were. We were talking, and and a lot of people from an emotional perspective come at that and say, "Oh, this person is in, you know, great." abject pain and, and there's and nothing more that we can do and if they, this person was an animal because we love this person we would take their life mm, exactly so why don't we do the same with human beings mm. this is a really good question okay so let me address that question very quickly the reason that we don't do that with human beings is because human beings are moral creatures made in the image of god and because of that, God often works miracles in relationship to moral creatures to give them an extended period in which they can make a decision for him. Mm-hmm. And so with human beings, we're not just looking for the cessation of pain and suffering. If it was just the cessation of pain and suffering, I think that I would probably support euthanasia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than that, we are looking for, um, we're looking for salvation. Yeah. And the opportunity for salvation and the, and, uh, you know that that to me, you know, sort of trumps, um, you know, what we might see as being sort of, I guess, merciful on, you know, from a surface perspective. Exactly, but but that then it's an interesting thing if we get back then to the topic of the flood. It's like, well, then why did God limit these people's opportunity to? to- ah, yes, very good question. I'm glad you asked. The reason is, and sorry for butting in, why did, why did God limit their opportunity for salvation? Because God can read the human heart and he knows when salvation is no longer possible. Mm. No human being can do that. If human beings could do that, then once again, I think I would be a supporter of euthanasia. Be like, yeah, yeah let's move to New Zealand. At the moment, it's like, no, mm. no, no, not at all. And, and especially when you see, you know, ha- we talked a little bit earlier this year about countries that have, you know, youth, euthanasia um, and, you know, a 17-year-old girl in, in the Netherlands who was euthanized um, because of her struggles with depression. It's like one of the most awful and terrible things ever because you, like... A young person at the beginning of their life where yeah. there are multiple opportunities for healing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. It's incredibly this is, sad. And this is the slippery slope that you start to stand on once you go down this particular path. It's like, well, I'm depressed, so I want to die. Whereas, but then I guess we then make the transfer into the situation that's happening here in the flood and the situation that we see here with the, with the Canaanites. That it's like this is not, this is not something that's based on whether these guys want to die or not. This is something that's based on well, a bunch of people who don't want to die, but are that's right. completely cut off from God, who have completely cut themselves off from God, and who are hurting every single person around them. We and this is this is another point that we need to get to right here, is that okay? They have completely cut themselves off from God. They are destroying themselves and they are in pain. So God is going to destroy them because that is the most merciful thing that God can do. Mm-hmm. However, they are not just in pain themselves. They are inflicting that on everybody exactly. else. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
what level of depravity had these people reached? Often we look at uh, individuals around the world and we say, you know, that is an incredibly depraved person. Mm. And when they die, we kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Like it's, we're so glad that that individual is no longer using oxygen on this planet. Well, yeah, we saw which that is not recently. A very, like it's not a good thought. It is not a good thought. It is not an appropriate thought. But... Uh, but we need to recognize that as human beings, sometimes we do do feel thankful when some other human beings are no longer with us. Well, I know there are the I guess the 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 community of response against you know Ivan Milat recently dying was like definitely that sentiment of a sigh of relief. You know, the, you know, and there's these guys going around lighting bushfires, and the first thing that goes through your mind is, okay, you're lighting bushfires, you know. Um, on Tuesday, then you know the world might be a better off a place, a better off place without somebody like that. Okay, we're going to come back and talk more about it. This is uh, Faith First. You listen to Faith FM.
Welcome back to Faith FM, continuing on with the show here, uh, with our encounter with God. But before we do, let's have another clue for the quiz. Okay, this is a what am I? We've already, we know, we know about this thing that Ecclesiastes says that this is the answer for everything. We know that Paul says that in the last days, people will be lovers of this thing. Um, we know that Simon the Sorcerer, he offered this to Peter to try and uh, buy the, the the Holy Spirit off him, you know, to... to, to uh, to you know, so he could give the spirit to whoever he laid hands on. Now, Judas threw this into the temple, then went and hanged himself. So, what is this thing? What did Judas throw into the temple? If you know the answer, 1 800 324 843. Give us a call right now, 1 800 Faith FM, or text us on 0491064669. And a prize will be coming your way. Yes, it will be. And it would be kind of strange. You know, why would you throw things around in the temple? Well, Strange circumstances right here, strange events. We need to open our Bibles. Let's get back to what we were talking about before we went to the break because this is a really important subject. Uh, Let's start talking about where the Canaanites were at. Mm -hmm. Had they committed the unpardonable sin? Clearly, we do not know how to read a person's mind. We do not know how to read a person's heart. But when you look at the worst of the worst of the worst sectors of society today, there is possibly few, if any, portions of society that are as evil as the Canaanites were, were back then. And we know that because of archaeology. Now, when archaeology is able to reveal the moral compass of a culture and a society, then you know that that was a society that was really, really corrupt. Because the, let's, let's face reality. You know, our society is pretty corrupt these days, right? Mm. Let's say that you know, a big volcano blew up, uh, buried Newcastle right here where we are, um, buried the place um, with you know ash um, like it did Pompeii and freeze froze it so that in 2,000 years' time somebody came along, an archaeologist came along and dug it up. Would they see Newcastle as being an incredibly – would they see a lot of evidence of abject corruption? Maybe. What kind of things might they find that would be evidence Ooh. of corruption? Um, I don't know. Like, see, yeah. <laughs> see, it's very, very hard to preserve the moral compass of a culture through archaeology, and yet the Canaanites were so incredibly corrupt. <laughs> uh, evil was such yeah. a part of their society that it was everything that they touched was just soaked in evil. Mm. You know, pure evil exists, no question about that. It exists in our world, uh, but it existed, you know, amongst the Canaanites and later on, of course, the Amalekites in a way that, you know, we have, our world has rarely seen. Mm. Uh, because you can actually just, you know, you just go and do your, your, your excavation, you find out, you know, this is, okay, so think about, think about a culture where you've got um, child sacrifice. By parents. Yeah. You've got, you know, pedophilia as a religious requirement. And you know how much that messes kids up. Yeah. And then that becomes generational, you know, generation after generation after generation. And, you know, 400 years later, you can imagine what that society was like. Mm. Uh, You know, even Pompeii, which is nothing like Mm. as corrupt as the Canaanites, there was a whole section of artifacts that they took out of Pompeii. They put them into one room when they excavated it, and after they had stored them in that room, they literally bricked the room up so that nobody would ever see it. Mm. 
It was so unbelievable. It's called The Secret Room. In the year 2000, of course, they unbricked it because it's like, yeah, no, let's go see this. I walked into it by accident. I was like, ooh, heavy stuff in there. Walked back ooh. out again. Steeled myself, walked back in and gone, you know what, this is uh, stuff that I don't want to see, but I need to understand what a culture is like when it goes to total 100% depravity. Mm. And that was the culture. Um, That's what it had become. And when it became like that and and was just completely and totally depraved uh, to the point where it's like God God can't do anything. It's like, you know what? There's a better use for what these, you know, the cities and buildings and possessions that these people have, and and uh, this is the land that I promised to the Israelites, and now is the time for me to mm. give it to them. It wasn't the time back in the time of Abraham because there was a lot more righteousness there then. Yeah, you know, you had you had Melchizedek. He wasn't any relative, any close relative of Abraham, but you got Melchizedek right there, priest of the Most High God. He's not he's not Hebrew. He's not Jewish. He's not Israelite. He's none of those things, and yet he's a priest of the Most High God. And the implication being that there would have been priests like that in many parts of the world um, who were not connected to Abraham. Mm. You know, Balaam is another example of that, a prophet of the Most High God, a prophet of the True God. Mm. And, you know, we could go on down through the Bible through many different individuals that were like that. Um, and what they do is that they give us evidence that these nations had not fully become corrupt. But when they did, their time of probation came to a close. Mm. Um, so probation can close on an individual. It can close on a city. It can close on a nation. It can close on an empire. It can close on the whole world. And that's what we'll see. And that's probation closes when God can no longer do anything. Mm. Uh, when he has exhausted all options in reaching people, then the most merciful thing that God can do is to bring those people's lives to an end, and that's what's happening right here with the Canaanites. Hmm. Well, I think it's it's a good thing that we can that we've because this this started from me being like confused and like, man, what is going on with this? Um, but it's like, yeah, that this this wasn't a, a question of you know God unjustly. Or, you know, justly or arguing over whether God has the right to repossess land for his, you know, purpose or whatever. No, this was a, this was a question of judgment and morality. This, you know, the same judgment over morality that we see happening in Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, in the yeah, Bible. And it's like, that's right. they, they weren't, you know, like their land would have been unoccupied after they'd been judged, but not for the sake, they weren't judged for the sake of unoccupying a land. They were judged for the sake of their morality that they had fallen so heavy into depravity that it was like, as God deals with people, especially we see the ultimate version of that at the end of time, you know, those who are ultimately saved to eternal life and those who are ultimately lost to eternal death. It's like God judges based on their decisions and based on their morality um, which is, I think, is incredibly, you know, interesting because we often get this picture in the world um, that, I don't know, being a Christian and all that stuff and, and being saved and having salvation is, is based on circumstance. I feel like it's something that's not talked about often, that, that this idea that's pervasive in, in culture that, oh... It basically works. It's you're saved because of a bunch of stuff that you do or the particular person on your heart that you are and and it's people have a predisposition that, oh, I couldn't be someone that's saved. Mm-hmm. I, I just couldn't be. That's that, that's just not who I am. You know, they look at the culture of religion and they're like, oh, I'm not someone who could follow that. Therefore, I'm not someone who could be saved or have anything to do. Whereas God and salvation is so much more than 
culture and, you know, and then, you know, the, I guess the thing coming after that is the particular things that you do or practice. It's God and salvation is God having it, doing a personal work in your heart. Of course, we're not going to take works out of the equation where the Bible says very clearly we're judged by our works because our works are a reflection of the work that God's doing in our heart. But, but yeah, basically the point I'm trying to make is that everyone has the opportunity you know, just because the Canaanites were in a culture of depravity, that that doesn't mean that they were bound to be, you know, lost. That there are there is a Canaanite who could have made a decision to come to God, left that place, and he he would have been saved. Like, yeah. and everyone has that opportunity today, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so many good thoughts that we can draw out of this. Of course, uh, one final thought is that once the Israelites had entered into the Promised Land, the Bible says that they got all of this stuff for free. They became suddenly wealthy and they grew fat and it was not good for them. They became uh, lazy and lived a life of ease. And, and there's a very famous saying that says, you know, idle hands are the devil's playground. And we need to be very aware when we are super mm. blessed because the devil could be on our path. This is uh, Caitlin Clampett with Love Lifted Me. You listen to Faith FM.
Jesus saves, Jesus saves, He will lift you from the crashing waves, crashing waves, He will never leave you. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, He will lift you from the crashing waves, crashing waves, He will never leave you. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, He will Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Hello, greetings from your local Warrigal Seven-Day Adventist Church. My name is Tara. I am part of a prayer group that meets every Wednesday evening at 6.30 here at church. We would love to have you join us in discussions and prayer. We would love to have the privilege to pray for you and any other further prayer requests. We pray for the sick, the needy, and also our local community. The address again is 43 Mason Street, Warrigal. That's every Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Show. Sure. 
cherry by your lamp chili calls for you and pray that your loving endure till the bridegroom comes when the halt and the lame meet the sun and he sees for the blind and he speaks for the Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, and we have come to your question of the day time. Before we have our question of the day, we still have another clue for our quiz, which has not yet been answered. So, Lawson, uh, grab us, uh, give us our next quiz clue before we have our question of the day. Okay, this one might give it away. Are you ready? Mm, ready. The love of this is the root of all evil. If you know the answer to that quiz, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you will win a prize completely for free. But now we come to the question of the day, which is um, simply, put simply, this. So, um, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, the Bible says that, essentially, that we should agree with our adversary to avoid being thrown in jail. Is what Jesus, is basically what Jesus is saying here, that we should, you know, abandon Christian, you know, standing up for Christian morals and whatnot, 
for the sake of agreeing with our adversary so that we don't get thrown into prison. Okay, so we've got an adversary in our, and, and, and or, or, or an enemy in this case that is against Christianity. Do we just uh, and, and comes along, puts a gun to your head and says, you know, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Does that mean that um, and if you say, yes, I'll shoot you, does that mean that we deny Jesus Christ then and there? Um, just so that bad things don't happen. Yeah, that's basically. Is that what question. Jesus is? That what Jesus is saying right here? We just be agreeable to everybody in case something bad happens. This is a really good, um, a really good question to ask. Particularly, let's read. Let's read the actual passage and read what it says, and then we can go back and and look at it more closely. Agree with your adversary quickly, while you are in the way with him, lest at any time. The adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say unto you, you shall by no means come out there until you have paid the uttermost farthing. Now that's old English right there, but the uttermost uh, everything that you are required to pay. Okay, if we read this passage on its own, we could possibly read it as just be agreeable to everybody, don't ever disagree with anybody in case something bad happens to you, even when that person is denying Jesus Christ and Christianity or whatever it might be. However, we need to note the context of the passage. Within the context of the passage, who is it that is actually the guilty party here? The guilty party within this passage is you. And so when you come up against an adversary, the reason that there is an adversary there is because you have done something wrong. If we back up and look at it in its context, the Bible says, uh, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And so in this in this scenario that we're given here, somebody's coming to the altar, they're going to offer a sacrifice, uh, they're going to be worshipping God, maybe you know, asking forgiveness of sins, and God reminds them, no, your brother has something against you, or why does your brother have something against you, or, or your brother obviously being anyone, why does someone have something against you? Well, the answer is very, very simple. You have done something wrong because you are the one who needs to go and make reconciliation. And so the Bible says, leave your gift there, go and make reconciliation with your brother, then come and ask for forgiveness. And so this is something we should always do when we've wronged somebody else. We should ask their forgiveness first, and then we should ask God's forgiveness second. Uh, Moving on down through there, the Bible says, agree with your adversary in the way. Uh, What that simply means is when you meet them, when the opportunity is there, the moment you see them, if you have done something wrong with them, then is the time to make peace with them. If you don't make peace with them, Jesus points out the obvious. You'll be handed over to the law. Um, you could be thrown into prison. You're going to be held in prison until you pay fines uh, or make reparations for you know whatever uh, the, the, the issue might be. The situation here is one in which you are the guilty party and the context actually indicates the guilty party who owes somebody something. So owes something to somebody else. And uh, in that kind of a situation, yeah, we need to uh, do all that we can to owe no man anything, the Bible says. Let us all endeavor to be debt-free. Don't forget that question of the daytime is your opportunity to send in your question so that you can have your question answered here on Faith FM. This is Lauren Daigle with her famous piece, Look Up Child. 
When darkness seems to end Where are you now When the world is crumbling Oh, I, I, I hear you say Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM. That was Lauren Daigle with Look Up Child here on The Breakfast Show. We have come to the end of our program for this morning, so that means that we are about to give something away. And our gift for today, our free offer for today, is the Holy Bible, King New King James Version, so one of the most uh, trusted translations of the Bible in the English language. And, of course, this gift is the greatest gift. It is the gift of the Word of God, the greatest gift that we can ever give away here. Um, this is an edition that has a couple of extra things added to the back of it. I was just looking at it here very briefly. And amongst the extras, there is a table of weights and measures. Did you know that a talent in the Bible weighs 34 kilograms? And so the parable of the talents, you know, one person was given five talents. That is a lot of gold, 34 kilograms times Five will give you an understanding of just how much 
uh, wealth that person was entrusted with and then how much wealth they turned that into. There's also a section here on getting to know God. So if you are somebody who is curious about Christianity, curious about what it means to be a Christian, would like to get to know God, there is a section on that. And then, of course, there's a 30 days, a one-month Bible study theme, uh, 30 days with Jesus that really begins you know, begins with Jesus coming as predicted, he's born, he's baptized, um, his public ministry goes all the way down to the end, his arrest, his trial, his burial, um, his death and being taken to heaven. So some extras there in the back page. Give us a call right now. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669. This is yours. Simply be the first caller through entirely free right here on Faith FM. We love your company in the mornings. We always look forward to joining you. On a hill called Calvary There stands an endless mercy tree Every broken, weary soul Find your rest and be Oh, bro. 